Hey everyone, I hope you're all doing well and staying sane and welcome to Radical Musings. I'm so happy to be doing this and I'm so excited for today because I really, really love this woman. I adore her, Susanna Hoffs. She's one of my dearest friends. She's a talented singer and songwriter and you know her as the lead singer of the Bangles. She's written and performed so many great songs that are forever ingrained in pop culture. Uh, she's also married to um, one of the a really great director, uh, Jay Roach. They have a beautiful marriage. They have two amazing sons who graduated from Stanford that are like so artistic. They're like a really cool, close family. And we spoke just before the holidays and reflected on this past year. We talked about creativity and new ways of collaborating with others. And I, I just find her so inspiring. And I think you will too. Have a listen. Wait. Hi. Oh, God. Sue, how are you? It's been so I'm, nuts. It's been so nuts, yeah. I'm good. I, I'm i excited to talk about creative things because that's what's keeping me, I guess you could say, sane. <laughs> that's, that, that's exactly what we're doing is, is in this time of this quarantine and where we're, you know, put into this where we're like living with all the stuff that's coming up for ourselves the creativity that's arising in the world right now amongst artists is is actually on fire extraordinary you know i i love it and 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 we're finding new ways to communicate um because we're forced in this situation so are you where are you at in this time you're always creative you're always writing but where are you where are you at right now well i'm actually um and and you know it, it, there are challenges to create music with others during this time and it's been you know most of the year has been pretty lonely apart from the when there was like a great celebration in january um, and you and I were at my house when we had the music night. That was um, your a birthday party for yeah. it, celebrating your beautiful birthday and all these incredible musicians and, and yeah. artists connecting. And I, I, it was it was Colin one of those, Hay, Neil yes. Finn, Vonda Shepherd. Um, yes, I love Vonda. All, yeah, and and you know Fred Armisen playing drums with me and my friend Pat O'Connor and my friend Fran Healy from Travis and. My friend, uh, oh, it just there were so many um, people playing in the living room, and then, and then suddenly there was no playing in a room with other people, and that's just um, what we need to do is, is stay in and in our, you know, you know, keep everybody, you know, like in our bubbles where we yeah. should be, you know, so that yeah. we're doing the right thing, and I, you know. We're keeping others safe by its respect exactly. for other human yeah. beings, by we're wearing masks for other people's safety, not for yes. our own. Yes. And we have to, and everybody does it. It's like, you know, that's how we pay, we, you know, we pay it forward. Everybody right. is protecting other people. Yeah, and exactly. And so now I'm, I'm, I have been working for a long time on a, a, a fiction, a book. So that's been keeping me going, but it's been, a, a labor of love throughout the whole process of it, but also in terms okay, of Okay, but music. you've been doing this for years. You, no, uh, I you know. Told me, you told me about this book, but I can't wait to read uh, this book because I uh, know it's going to be a, a masterpiece. Oh, I, you've, you've been working really, really hard on it. You've given yeah. me great notes about writing myself because yeah. and how to do that, and, and, you're, and I'm really excited for you. 
I'm, I, I've been loving every second of it. It's like permission to live in my fantasy world with my fantasy characters. But also of late, I've figured out ways to do um, some recording, which has been really great because I was Yay! really mourning being able to do that. So it's, it's, it's very tricky, but we figure it out. We figure out, uh, you come in the back door, and then we have things and, and like isolation booths and ways that we can you know, wear a mask and then go in the isolation booth, sing the vocal, you know. Everybody tests so they're clear to come into uh, your home in the first place. uh, Well, nobody's hardly been in my home, and that that has been easy. But it's like if I'm going to – I've been able to go to some studios in which we have it very, very carefully worked out. With the band? With the bangles or on your own? This is is you by yourself. Yeah, this is just me by myself, which makes it a whole lot easier. So, um, yeah, and then sending things to musicians to throw their parts on. I mean, it's kind of like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because what musicians love to do most is sit across from each other and listen to each other. I actually was on a podcast recently with Linda Ronstadt, and she, she made, we were talking about singing, and... Is she, she's doing a podcast herself? No, no, no. My friend, oh. my oh, friend wow. who, who um, it, it does a podcast. Wait, are you singing together? No, no. We oh, weren't singing God, together. Oh, God, I want that. Oh, <laughs> I, I, that would be my lifelong dream. Please. Um, but I, we were talking about, we were on a podcast. We have a mutual friend um, who was the wardrobe girl for Genevieve Shore. She was, and she was in a band called Backstage Pass back in the in the early 80s, but she mm-hmm. also went on tour for years with Linda and did all kind of work creating costumes for her big tours and everything, and so she put us together on, I, she and Jenny, Genevieve, Jenny, invited me to see Linda's documentary, so we sat together uh, before, before lockdown, this was, I think, end of last year or very beginning of this year, and we you know, sat side by side and watched the documentary. And I, of course, couldn't hold back. And I was kind of like quietly singing harmonies along to the, to the, to the movie. But um, she wanted to put us together on a podcast. And it was so lovely to talk to my inspiration, one of my role models, you know, teaching myself to sing because I just... I'm all self-taught. I, I don't read music. It's embarrassing, but I don't. Everything that I learned from music was just falling either, in love Either with John music. Lennon. Uh, what, oh, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> so you're no, in good I, company. No, there's many of us like that, and yeah. people who came out of the folk tradition who just learned by sharing the recipe for the song, like the chords, like sharing a recipe with somebody or um, just learning by ear, which is what I did. And I basically taught myself to sing by singing along to records. And, and those were, you know, Joni, Bonnie, yeah. Linda, you know, those were the early Dion Warwick. My mom had all the Dion Warwick records with all the Burt Backrack Hal David songs. So I just learned by mimicking, um, <sighs> And so, but, but Linda, but you said have such really, a distinct voice. I oh, love your thanks. voice so much. I've always had Linda, Linda said something so amazing that I, that I made sure I had the actual quote, which was, we were talking about what the, our favorite thing to do. And it makes it hard, you know, obviously during quarantine to do this, but to sit in a room with unamplified, not on a big stage, not with loud amps and guitars, but to just to sit 
almost what I used to refer to as like around the campfire kumbaya singing, but you know, where you actually listen to the person and you're blending with them and you're, everything is open. It's like all your pores are open and you're really feeding off each other. It's like a, it's like a dance. And mm-hmm. Linda said to me, music is a conspiracy to commit beauty. Oh. And I just thought that was so amazing that I made sure that Jenny got the exact quote from me for me from Linda. Music is a conspiracy to commit beauty. I thought that was so beautiful. And that's so, you know, that I long to do that when when it's time that we can go and sit in a living room with other people. But in the meantime, yes, keeping busy with writing and uh recording now in a safe way. So I, I feel very lucky that I can do that. Perry Farrell was just here with Eddie and he was just talking about the in, in living room spaces where, you know, we we have safe friends all yes. together and, and doing the living room, you know, uh, house parties. Oh, and, well, that's and, great. And, yeah. And he's, you know, he's going to, he's going to take that around the world, I think. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. So you get, right? you get in a space where it's safe and everything's figured out in advance, and then you can actually do it. You yes. can actually sing yes. and make music. Oh, and, my and, and, st- and still be able to do it in, you know, in small spaces the way you know, it needs to be for now, and we'll see where it goes. But, I mean, yeah. that's the biggest – you know, the thought that all – he, you know, he owns Lollapalooza, and those, he has them all around the oh. world. And to, yeah, Perry owns Lollapalooza. And for, for that, to the live venues, the – the rock festivals, I mean, they're shut down. How are yeah. we ever going to go back to that? And I that's scary. And, yeah. and so, and, and, and sad because like horrible, this mm-hmm. is like a big part of our lives. Yeah. Like I need live music. And by the way, you know, if anybody, like I, my birthday last year, um, Susanna played at my birthday party and it was like the coolest thing. So well, thank you for that. It was the coolest thing for me to be able to do it. Although I must say that um, it was pretty daunting because I was both aware and, and trying not to let it, you know, <laughs> make my whole body shake with like fear and joy that Joni Mitchell was off to the side to my left and directly in front of me was Seal. And it was just <laughs> like, okay, how do I tune this out? I just thought about you, Ro. And that it was your birthday, and we it both was the cool. we both turned that, was... that age. Where I'm not hiding it, but yeah, we, I know. But we, but we just can't. We, we're not hiding it, but we don't have to say it out loud. Yeah, we're not going to say it out loud. But we both turned a very important uh, age and yeah. like corner on a certain decade. And um, yeah, it's all good. But that was like one of the best nights. I can remember in a long time. And I remember Joni because she, you know, she, she was like, you know, she goes, her voice is beautiful. You know, like, so it's like, it was cool. Oh, yeah. So that? that's very Oh, nice. that's so great. Well, it was. I thought I told you that. Oh my God, that's horrible if I did. did. But no, I don't know. But thanks. It, it's good. <laughs> good to know that. I mean, I was so nervous in particular knowing she was there because, um, again, oh. back to the early story of like teaching myself to sing. It was, it was Honestly, Joni Mitchell records. Wait a minute. Do you have the new record? It just came out. It's called no. Joni Mitchell. Oh my God. Right now. Right now when okay. you're on the, you could, you have to download Joni Mitchell archives oh. and it's songs that we've never heard her 19 years old in cafes, 19 years Whoa. old in, in Canada when she's Joni Anderson. 
Oh, it's wow. nuts. And I and I think and I uh, um, I've seen footage of her from like the very early period too, which might be a little after that, maybe not teenage Joni, but it's it's so magical and and beyond comprehension almost what she it is. I mean, it's just yeah. what she was able to do and how she's like I mean, from from a singing and writing point of view, like uh, she kind of reinvented the whole thing. I mean, she just there was no she, she kind of broke through all sort of genres and just made her own re- recipe of what it was like. I don't even know. Like, I think that's why for me as a kid, as a little girl, like singing along to the records, it was like uh, it didn't follow a typical roadmap. Like right. she would just go into these crazy falsettos and then go really low yeah. and <gasps> just play around with the melodies so they never quite repeated. It was like, I mean, and you can see why she loves jazz. I mean, there was a jazz aspect to how she, you know, did her pop songs. And they, I wouldn't even know. How do you even describe what genre it is? You're going to freak out when you hear her cover uh, her song that she wrote little green but oh, it's I like li- in a lower it's oh, much wow. lower than the high, that that it is in blue it's like really yeah. high it's her it's just her voice is so much lower in this it's and 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 it it was written for her daughter that she gave in, given up yes. for adoption yeah i knew the story yeah yeah and so and you can hear in the way how low it is actually the grief cuz it was new Wow, wow. I can't wait for you to hear it. You're going to write me. Oh, I'm, yeah. so ex- I'm so excited. Yeah, Thanks you're in your pajamas right now. Yeah. Put, just yeah. download this right now on Spotify. It's her yeah. archives. Now, I think I'm pretty, I, it, Cameron Crowe curated it and put it together, apparently. Oh, really? That's what I... That's, what I, that's I, interesting. Okay. You know I the thing, the worst I part is that you don't have the liner notes anymore. That's what I... The, I love getting a, you know the vinyl, which she does have a vinyl set that's coming out, which I've ordered, so you can get all the vinyl and I want to read the liner notes I love that so much and I'm so happy that we were born into a time where we had that I know and now they just do one song it bugs me (laughs) I know I know I just found um a a set of demos that I recorded in 1999 Mm -hmm. and I'm about to put those out just as is they were mixed they were mixed two track onto two tracks you know um and they were and this is your solo Susanna this is solo me it was it was right after I turned 40 it was right I was had had just had a baby I was home Jay was off doing uh directing Austin Powers 2 this uh, this um the second one yeah um for those of you who don't know that the Susanna Hoffs is married to the great director uh, Jay Roach. Thank yes. You. And so it was a really interesting time. And these songs are like, you know, they were, it was like a period of my life, like preserved in amber. Like I, we rediscovered them, the guy who produced them and, and who was the one who called me one day, um, Dan Schwartz and said, we had just, I had actually just worked with him and Jim Keltner and Larry Klein mm. and, Larry. Uh, and, 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 and Joni showed up at the sessions for, it was my first um, it was a solo record I did for London Records. I had done that in, I guess I was recording it in... God, I never um, heard that record. Yeah, 95. Yeah, wow. it's a self-titled album. And I was working with all these incredible... Can I get that? Can I yeah, download yeah, that? I can get that oh, on no, Spotify that's on, right now? Oh, yeah. It's a self-titled okay. from 90... I think it came out in 96. 
Okay. But we were recording it in 95, and I got to spend all this time with, with these amazing um, musicians. And then, and then cut to 99. Um, Keltner so, works with, uh, worked with Chrissy Hine. Oh, yeah, and everyone. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everybody. George Harrison. Er, yeah, you know. everybody. So, so, I, so Dan Schwartz, who was in the Tuesday Night Music Club, called me in 99 and said, want to make some music? And I was, I was just like, home. Oh, that was Kevin Gilbert was in that. Yes, Kevin Gil- exactly. Okay, Ke- you don't, Kevin so, played so, on that album, too. Okay, so Kevin and I were really, he was a great, great, great hmm. friend of mine. I was, I know. Do, do you know his solo album? A song no, I for, don't. No. He has a sol- song for a friend, song for a, a dead friend. I'll find or, it. I'll find so, it. Okay. It, his solo album is so beautiful. Oh, my God. And we were really, really close friends. So you knew him, and that was a... I did. Wow. He, played on that, he played on that same record I'm I talking about. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he, and he died. Actually, he apparently I killed know, himself. It was such I a know. weird thing. It was so, it was so weird and I went so to sad. This, I went to the memorial at Bill Betrell's I, house. I know. I loved him so and, much. And, um, yeah. Actually, Joni came to the studio one night um, when I was making the self-titled record from 96. And I have a recording of Love Potion n- Number 9, her... Joni and me singing together, if you can you believe it. you got to be kidding. You I should send that. you got to send that to, I I would send never it to Cameron. It. I should, but I want to make sure Joni, I want to say, it's so cool. I mean, Joni if sounds, you send No, if you send it to Cameron, he will make sure that Joni has that in the right way. I would send it to Cameron. I, I will. But it was so great um, hanging out with Joni because, you know, back when I was making that record, it, we did it up in Benedict Canyon at, at my friend... Um, David Cate's house, David Bearwald mm-hmm. and David Cate yep. originally nice. produced it. And it, it went through a lot of machinations, that album. Because then um, they had the Cheryl Crow thing. You know, they yeah, did Cheryl they Crow's had, work. Yes. They had done all that. So, so they, I worked with a lot of those people, um, uh, the wonderful musicians. I mean, one day I was at the studio, which we recorded that album in the canyon, you know, one, night, one time. Joni came, Linda Perry came over and sang some oh. stuff. It was like a hangout vibe. But one time I answered the phone and it was George Harrison calling for Jim Keltner. And I was too shy to say hello. I just answered oh. it. It was like, is Jim Keltner there? And I was like, um, yes, let me get him. And, he said, and you said, who's calling, please? And then you, <laughs> yeah. said, if, only, if only I'd said that. But, um, did, but you, I, did you meet Danny um, at my oh, house? I, Danny Harrison? I met, I met Danny through you. And yeah, because Danny Harrison is George's, you know, son, and um, and is a musician, of course, in his own right, and and we're great friends. And, and I, I love guess, Danny, and I isn't and he I wonderful? His, his whammies the night before the Grammy show. Yeah, uh, he always has a really fantastic party, and I got get to sing with people like Al Yankovic. Last <laughs> last time we did, here comes the sun together, uh, Al and and me. It was so fun. So the, one of the people I want to talk about that we had in common, who have in common, is um, is Adrian Petty's papa, um, Tom oh, Petty. Yeah. I know. And that was like this, the, one of the worst times in my life was that man dying. And I, I don't know if you know this story, but um, when Alexis, my trans sister, died of um, four years ago, Tom died not long after, like mm. within within um a couple weeks it was so devastating and adria called me and went over to the hospital i was there and um it was one and and 
his last show was at the Hollywood Bowl. I know. And he and it, I don't. Were you at that show? The last show? No, I wasn't. Bowl? I was taking a kid to. You college, were on the road, but 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 oh, you we. Were. Tom had wanted because uh, he loved to sing you har- harmonies. I mean, to sing background on the tour, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't, couldn't do the do tour. I had a lot of things that I couldn't. Well, you were on the road a lot too at the same time, but I, yeah. I remember that summer. But um, he, he, Adria called me. Alexis had died. It was devastating. And she goes, you know, and I actually lived very close to him. She goes, Dad wants you to come over. So she picks me up. She takes me over to her house, to the house. He's there. He was in his pajamas. He had had a little couple of skin cancer things, and he took me into the studio, sat me down, and put on. He goes, look what I just found, and it was him playing all bird songs with Jimmy, oh, yeah. Jimmy McGuinn, Roger McGuinn, Roger McGuinn. Roger, and, um, yeah. Yeah. And it was so, it, I hope they put that out, but I know oh. that, you know, he had his, his radio show and, and, and he I brought you on, on. It, yeah. you were, yeah, yes, and, I know. I remember and, that. And I spent hours, hours there hanging out with Tom and it, and it was just glorious. I mean, right. first, first, um, my friend Mark Felsot, Felsot, um, or Felsot, I hope I pronounced it right. He's wonderful, and he pr- was one of the producers, or the producer of the, some of Tom's radio shows, or Tom Talks to Cool People was, was I think, the one that I was on. And um, it just was like the most wonderful thing, driving out to Malibu and hanging out. But first he said, oh, Tom would like... Um, you to just send a list of um, just some of your favorite songs. And, you know, if you ask me to make a list of favorite songs, it turned out to be like hundreds of songs. <laughs> but I knew everything was good when, when Mark said, um, Tom loves all of these songs. I was Great. like, ooh, we're going to be kids in a candy store sitting around talking about music. And that's what it yeah. was. And it was like the most magical series of hours just we have to get that Malibu is, oh, and him I making me coffee and yeah no he yeah I did I I went twice to do it and anyway it was just so I I remember such, talking to you when you were actually going to go do it yeah I mean I like something like you were like on your way out or we couldn't talk because you were going out to yeah. record that yeah it was so, and I and I don't know how I missed that and never got to hear it so I really want to find that I'm gonna t- let's tell Adria we got to track that down and yeah we'll track that it down. To, I can get it for you because I can call yeah. Mark and he I'd love it. to hear it yeah but um yeah I know he had so many great stories we talked we talked about everything and anything and also yeah. music and music and other stuff and music. It was like, it's so great. And you've always been this kind of friend too, Ro, where it's like, we love music so much. Like, I, yeah. I, you've, we find each other, you know, the people yeah. who absolutely, it's like a drug. It's, 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 <sighs> it, it's like it does... I don't it's know, a drug, can't... but the, the hangover is just, you know, sweet and yes. lives inside of you. You're not fucked up yes. for, you know, it's not it's negative. A, it's just positive. It's, it's all, all love. Positive. It's yeah. all positive. And um, it's funny. It's like, it's like having a club that is your friends who you can just, you always send me song links. You know, I'll yeah. wake up and I'll like, I think you get up earlier than me. I'm still on yeah. rock hours, rock and roll hours. And I'll just see no, like No, I'm like, I don't song. know how I'm getting up. 
you're going to sleep at four in the morning and I've been waking up for some reason at four in the morning. I don't get it. But then I'll get a song from you and that, and it's, and I, I must've done something right with my two kids because that we have this, one of the things we do now that everybody's kind of grown up is like, we just send songs to each other and it's this awesome shorthand, you know, it's like, um, just sharing some magical thing through the interwebs of like, uh, a song that one of them has never heard of ever. And it's like a revelation. Mm. So uh, what are, what, what are you, are you, is there any young artist now or any of the cool band that you feel like, Oh yeah. Okay. I love them. Cause it's, it's been really hard for, uh, you know, I, 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 there's some great new young powerful. I know. Artists, I need to but know I, more. But I want to, I want to know. I want to find, them, you know? I yeah, mean. me too. Um, I am still a little bit lost in the past and sort of all, some of what's been happening is I'm finding out about sort of obscure recordings from like the 60s and 70s I didn't know about. Um, yeah, my still, my daughter still. is the greatest DJ, Zoe. Yes. I should send you her her playlist. She finds that, shit that you yeah, will love. It's like Oh my, and it's like, you know, really obscure uh, Parisian from the, you know, 60s. Like she really has the best tapes. I was kind of so excited because I always thought I was a really good DJ. No, she, she, she's just surpassed any DJ I've ever heard. I have a Paris playlist um, myself that is all uh, Jacques Dutronc. And John, Johnny Halliday and Great. Serge Gainsbourg, yeah, and yeah, of course yeah. Francois Hardy, but yes, all, the yaya's, all the yah yah, all the yah yah, What do you call it? Um, I think it's it wrong. is it yah yah? Yeah, yeah. I don't know ye, the pronunciation. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 it's Petula Clark and oh, like, definitely. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. No, all that stuff um, was huge for me because my mom loved music. So first, I just got it in the car. Your mom, who is also a filmmaker. Yes, but she yes. was a writer and a filmmaker. Yes, and she um, constantly listened to Top Forty in the '60s. So you know, and just getting in the back seat of the station wagon just inundated with it. That's where I first heard the zombies. Of course, I heard the Beatles. My mom had a friend who worked at Capitol Records, so I have all the original LP vinyl oh, from, God. from probably like first pressings. I think my brother actually is is the keeper of that vinyl right now, my younger brother. But he, um, yeah, so I just... And he was, keeps it very sacred? Yes. Space and safe. Yes. And you're... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna, I was just saying about when you were talking about your mom and your and your dad who who's a, who was a, a shrink, right? A psychoanalyst, yeah. A psycho. So how growing up and your parents are still married for all yes. these years, which isn't that yeah. wonderful? Long term yes. marriages, and you yeah. also have a long term marriage. I yeah. so honor and love and respect long term marriages, and I want to know the secret of that. You know. Well, um, I don't know exactly. I think it's just. Uh, I think part of it is just like I have a really great respect for my partner. I just, mm-hmm. we, we, um, we both do, we're both creatives, I guess you would say, for lack of a better word. He's a filmmaker and writer and director. 
And, and he so uh, loves you. I remember he got an award. Was it for recount or something? Yeah, I think so. Or and he said, my, my rock and roll sweetheart. Oh, yeah. I think that was the sweetest. Golden Globes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it yes, yes. It might have been for um, Game Change with yeah, Julianne yes, yes, Moore. Yes. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think my second passion in the world besides music would be film and movies, you know, now a lot of great TV shows are happening too. So I would just say, you know, besides loving music, you know, it, I love film. So we kind of have both things in the household. And yeah. um, Do you ever see yourself directing? Could you direct? I mean, your uh, book that you're writing could turn into, I think that, you know, Potentially, I mean, I, I think know. Jay yeah. was ahead of the game with the, the long-term miniseries, like, you know, the yeah. series thing. I think because... Before, you know, he was a, he's a, you know, he's a big film director, but he also was he able to. He did the to, political films for P- yes. for, uh, for HBO. Yeah. yeah. Recount, Game Change. Yeah. All the way. And people are staying home and watching, tell, they watch, they want to watch, you know, the whole season of something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those were more like movies. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, actually, yeah, they were like, they were, um, I don't know what you call it. Um, they have a well, they're not movie. Movies. They're not TV movies. They're feature films that they, yes. you know, they are yeah. HBO made. Yeah. Film, but they're 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 but they're features. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, he's but, great. Um, yeah. So long term marriages, I guess it's just you know because we sort of respect each other and love each other, but also the respect part of it. And um, you know, we have two great kids together who are grown, but. Who both uh, went to Stanford University. I mean, yeah, come on. You're I like know. both of you. Good <laughs> good parents. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's good and it's really, I don't know. I, how, I did, very, how have you guys managed to do the balance right now with your relationship during COVID and, and being in the house together? It's, it's very different because you're both used to, he's on the road for a couple months making a movie. You're on the yeah. road touring. How has that been as a couple in this It's time? been kind of amazing, actually. And our oh, son that's... Sam is, is here doing the last year of college remotely. Um, we've actually having, I mean, we're very lucky because we, we, we all kind of go off into our own zones during the day and, uh, Sam does school, Jay does his work, I do my work. And then we typically convene whenever possible for meals, but we definitely have gotten into this crazy, uh, movie and show watching where, you know, sometimes we have to sort of duke out who's going to, uh, you know, fight, fight out who's going to win, you know, what we watch. What are you um, watching? We're watching, you know, I mean, the Queen's Gambit. Have you seen it yet? I love it. I know. So, you know, we'll watch. She's amazing. I know. Um, my friend Autumn DeWild directed Emma. I don't know if you saw the, I haven't seen Emma yet. Yeah. Yeah. She's the star of that. Um, but, um, you know, so we watch anything from, you know, binging series to watching movies. Um, we watch a lot of the Criterion collection. I, I, I just, it's the, it's saving my life during I quarantine. Know. I mean, so, in this time. So we, so uh, Sam, my, my kid who just turned 22, just watched, um, this movie called The Servant. It, it was a Harold 
Pinter, Harold Pinter wrote the, the uh, screenplay, and it was directed by Joseph Losey. It's from 1963. Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah Miles, Dirk Bogard, yeah. and it was the first time uh, Lawrence Fox yeah. in his first feature. And it's like, it's a really incredible film. I've now watched it five times because I get people to watch it, and then I rewatch it. So yeah. it's fun. It's fun to go on Criterion and get sort of a education on the history of film and so many um, filmmakers like you can get all um uh the mike lee movies fe female, or, yeah 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 or agnes farda or, agnes, agnes farda yeah. who i love so much well, yeah her films are just oh i, know, I always she loved was did you see that one in the 70s this is kind of the in in los angeles which her time in los angeles and well she, she the guy a, who wrote the the uh, rag the guy who wrote hair is one oh, of the guys in the oh. house yeah it's really trippy I, she I follows them. So it's like a documentary. Oh, wow. No, I haven't seen that. Um, I forgot what it's anyways, called. It's terrible. <laughs> well, I know there's just so... How, this is one of the things that's happening to me with the... Because we, you and I, we grew up before the internet. And then the, now we have to like train ourselves how to use tech. You're probably better at tech than no, me. No, I'm the worst. I'm, I'm I, so I, there's no, I can't do it at all. And I cry. I I, I can't even. Do, I start I crying. I get so frustrated. I start crying because I really. It's not in my. It's not in my brain. It's. I don't think it ever will. No matter how much I try, I me forget too. everything they t just taught me. Like the next day, it's like. But wait a minute! I had it down yesterday. What's wrong? I know, and I. I know. It's really bad. It's bad, I, but <laughs> but our brains work differently now. I think. I think that. It's hard because, I mean, at least my brain is trying to catch up with all of it and figure it out how to think a different way. But everything was, I think it's, there's just so much information whizzing through that it's hard to, it's, it's almost like, um, I don't know, it's hard to focus on anything. Um, because you just, your focus is always split. There's always some screen somewhere calling to you to check it or look at it or, and you don't have time to, like, absorb anything. That's why I like to, um, every day I have, I put aside time to just listen to music. I'm usually walking, so it's kind of a meditation, or to read. You do, like, two- or three-hour walks, right? Are no, you doing... not that long, no. It's about an hour, 45 minutes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And, I, and, we, and, and we were supposed to go on a walk a long time ago, and then I, I don't know. But, I'm, uh, but it's also, also the is your private time, but I do want to do it one day with you. Oh, definitely. But I also set aside time, even if it's just one chapter of a novel that I'm reading, uh, you know, because the screens and the sort of like, it's almost like you're getting sucked into the rabbit hole, and it's just such a barrage that it, I it think it's changing the way our brain chemistry is. It's ruining my it's life. A, it's kind of, okay. You just said it. Thank you. It is terrible, isn't it? It's ruining In my life. And, 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 and it's oversaturated, like oversaturated about the, the business, the, uh, the, the, of, of, of our, of the United States of America and this craziness. And we don't even go there because it's so depressing and negative, but I have to tell yeah. you, we had two days of bliss. I just have to say that the two days of bliss and on the streets and the love and yes. the joy and no yes. violence. And we see the difference of that yeah. and that anybody would want, not want that, but chooses to have this other dark, hatred guns oh, dumb like what is this and, and it's just it's too much it's it's too much and i and then i found myself so anxious the other day where 
after that two days of bliss where the next day was just like, what is going on? There's a coup. And I had an anxiety attack. I've never had what people, you know, call the, my friends, oh, I've had a panic attack. I had, you had the a real, I had a real attack. one where I came in. I, t- I couldn't, my heart was racing. I felt like I was going to die. Please take me to the hospital. Something, yeah. I really, it was so terrible. And oh, it was a physiological, it was a, it was like the j- adrenaline going through your body. It's so toxic and dangerous for our bodies. So mm. I realized like, I gotta, I gotta chill out. Well, stay that's the hell why, off. that's why it's important. That's one of the reasons that I use art. It's yes. like art therapy, but it's like I, I, I make sure that no matter what, I, because, you know, obviously we all check the news all the time. We check what's going on in the, you know, we're kind of overly connected to too mm-hmm. many chaotic streams, whether it's through social media, whatever. But I try to, like, walk, listen to music, mm-hmm. listen to audiobooks. And you can't you can't really focus on it. Otherwise, you you you're not really listening to it. You're not really engaged. Where I'm really kind of trying to be singularly focused on something. So if it's having a great reader like Juliet Stevenson narrating Ooh. Jane Eyre or something. Really? Oh, oh yeah. I want that. I love Juliet. Uh, so uh, Juliet I've got to get that. Or or you know like audio books and then reading a physical book. Whether I even only have, ch- I will not lay down and put my head on the pillow to go to sleep if I haven't, even if it's re- literally just 20 minutes to read a few chapters of a book. It's, I've become, it's become like the way to sleep. Uh, yeah, I, to have your to, brain. I have to do it, you okay. know, and so, um, yeah. And now, is, could, is Jay doing that also, or are you just having like your nightlight and he's fallen asleep. No, I, I, I have to be in another room because where I'm on rock and roll time and he's on, yeah. he's on like director's time, like right. movies, movies, movie sets start at like 5 a.m. So he's right. like, uh, gets up at five and goes to bed at, you know, a reasonable hour. And, you know, if I'm binging a show, I don't mind. I will stay up, you know, till two in the morning if I, and, and then, then you go to bed and then to, you, what time do you do to, your walk? I do my walk whenever I get up. I mean, I try to do it at like nine or whatever, but you know, it's, it's depending on if I need more, you know, I, I, I need more sleep. I don't get enough sleep, but I still, I still need to consume art. <laughs> so it's like, I don't, isn't that funny that you still have, you still have the rock and roll hours, like the studio. I do. It's, there, you, it really is it. musician time. It is. It's weird. And I like, my mother likes to write late at night. She's still writing away all the time, working on different things. But there's something like nice about the quiet hours of the night when everyone's sleeping. And I, you know, you kind of, I don't know. I just, I just need that time to read or, or think about um, things other than reality, <laughs> I guess you could say. I like to disappear into the world of characters in a book or in a series. I don't know. Mm, great. So, I mean, I, I'm lucky that I can do it and get away with it. And because you've done that, all that work and reading constantly, it's inspired, it keeps you inspired to be writing your own book, which where yeah. are you at at that? Where are oh, you? Oh, I'm, I'm in the, in the last stages <gasps> of revisions um with a great book editor so i yeah and this has been i think it's like been seven five, years it's like no five? not seven it's been since 2015 
Okay. <laughs> so a lot. Good for you. Five years, yeah. I remember but you I, just had the idea that you said, I'm going to do this. And it was like, oh, gosh. And then I, yeah. But I, I guess, you know, it's all related, I think, Ro. It's like you as an actress, you take on a character. You become that person. You disappear. Of course, you bring your own humanity to it. But then you get to be part of a story, a fiction in most cases. And it's so fun to lose yourself in that. And, it is. Um, I really miss that. And I'd like to be right? able to do that again soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, someday. Yeah, it's, very, it's been a yeah. little, yeah. Or and or to, and, and that's the fun. Um, it's, it is like fanciful and for me to just disappear into sort of these made-up stories and you know whether I'm reading a fiction or writing a fiction or you know it's been I don't know it's like very um it's almost like uh religion or therapy or something whatever it's like a coping strategy (laughs) for me to just be connected to stories I don't know was it always that way I think so I've always I've always loved um, I, as a child, I was a bookworm, you know, I would go, my mom would take me to the library and I'd just sit on the floor and, you know, consume different books, sometimes book series. And I, then I would love, my parents were really into going to, to movies and, and there were so many great movies in the sixties. I mean, they took us to some mm-hmm. movies that were like probably a little grown up for us, um, to like, be seen, like Alfie. But, like like Bonnie and Clyde or Bonnie you know, and Clyde. Or, um, oh, that's violent uh, at the called? end. Midnight Cowboy. Oh, or, you wow. Know, things that. How old uh, were you when you saw Midnight? I don't know, Midnight? but well, probably we were, we were like probably uh, you know a little maybe? younger than the R rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, do you know but, what? I have the original poster of it, and it's actually rated X. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yes, well, there you go. it was rated X. Oh my God! Well, I have but, it. <laughs> Those artworks definitely informed this sort of journey to want to be an artist. And um, I don't know, I just, I was really, really grateful to my parents for um, exposing me to so much art. Yeah. Your father and your parents, who are long term marriage, and your father is a psychoanalyst. How was that growing up with your dad? doing that in in your life? It was fantastic, actually, because my parents were... Were communicators. We were very close-knit family, and there was nothing off the table. Like, if anybody had an issue, they could be open and honest. There was no sort of sneaking around and, Mm. you know, not being able to seek counsel from my parents. They were... I, I, I can't say enough about how incredibly grateful I am. It, I mean, it's very emotional to think about it to my parents who are quite old now and who I'm still so close with and love so dearly, but they were fantastic parents. I really, I, you know, they were always there for us. But, um, I did, but because of that, you have created that in your own life where you have that close-knit family with your own kids and oh, husband definitely. and, and, and yeah. you've always had that. And, I'm and that's gl- and because I, you have that. I, I, I think, think it is. I think it yeah. is. And you didn't really, you didn't grow up with, because you had a community, you know, your, your parents were able to c- communicate with you in any way you needed and you would be able to bring anything 
that you needed to share with them, there was this openness, like, and you it was almost any, like I didn't ever have to rebel against anything. You, did it you was ever? So you, weird. Ne- you, ne- you never rebelled. I never rebelled. It's like it wasn't like a thing where when I went to UC Berkeley and I was in the seventies and I wanted to be an artist and it wasn't like me. My parents said, "Oh no, dear, you must get, you know, you want to be an artist." It wasn't like so they, they were said, like, "Yay!" You know, they would. I I I was reconnected with a bunch of amazing people who went to UC Berkeley. A friend of mine um, put together a group of Berkeley girls and um, there was a wonderful lady from a woman who works, who is a professor at Berkeley who came and we were talking about our experiences and everyone was talking about going to the career center. Um, And I said, well, it's interesting. My Berkeley experience really solidified my journey as an artist but it wasn't like I can go into the career center and say, um, yeah, can you help me figure out how to start a rock band? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like I could go to the jobs office, you know, or the career counseling center. And it was like, but Berkeley did it for me anyway, because it was going to see Patti Smith at Winterland. There you go. I was going to see the last Sex Pistols show at Winterland. It was going ah. to the theater department. Um, and then switching to the dance department and then switching to the art department where I finally settled in with my major where I was making stuff. Um, and then I was collaborating with my friend David Roback and that's where we, we formed what was sort of a template for Mazzy Star, but years later when he made the band Mazzy Star. But w- w- oh, I really... Yes, yeah, so I didn't even. Music, do you know? I didn't even know that about. That's I don't incredible. know the music I was making with David Roback in Berkeley and David. Do and you I have were, any of that? Yeah, I have it on cassettes. Yeah. Oh, we got it. You got to put together like your uh, vinyl of that stuff. No, I know it's all this stuff that your I'm archives. Now, They're your archi- archives. They are my archives. So we did like versions of like the Beach Boys, Little Honda, but like the Mazzy Star version, <clears throat> like slow with a ton of reverb. I still have all the early guitars and electric guitars and, and the amp that David and I went and, you know, picked out from the recycler. I still have all the old gear. I have the old guitars. I have the cassettes. I just have to get them archived. But, yeah, so, I mean. When you hear, when you see this uh, or listen to um, Joni's archives, you're, you're going to be so inspired and, and I'm sure you'll get wait. right on it. This is a revelation, yeah. So I'm beginning to do that. Um, again, with this, the lost art, uh, record of uh, demos that I made in 99 with the Tuesday Night Music Club, some of those people, well, particularly Dan Schwartz, but Jim Keltner played on it. Um, Bill Bottrell, who produced the uh, yeah, Tuesday Night cool. Music Club, is on these songs, too. Is there, so that's coming out. But, yeah, so Berkeley really... When does that come out? Um, that's going to come I, I out. It, it could get streaming by the end of the year. We're just sort of finishing it up and get. we just got it mastered. So it's just a, Send about me an advanced copy. You know, I don't give I, it to anybody. Uh, oh, I will for sure. <laughs> I will for sure. I can do that, okay. like, really ASAP, actually. Um, but, yeah, so that, that was sort of like... Um, so my parents were just... I mean, they knew I wanted to be an artist. I'd studied ballet. I'd... I'd been singing all through school. I'd been playing, you know, folk guitar and singing. So it was kind of undeniable to them. that, that we, but, but still, they were cool, and they were like, we know what you're going to do with your life. There was, 
there was always the thought that, you know, I could maybe follow in my dad's footsteps and do something in psychology if all else failed. But luckily, I just hit the ground running, put an ad in the L.A. Recycler magazine um, pre-internet and just started calling people and trying to find people to make a band with. And that's, and that's how, how you started. did it in the Recycler? You, you, did, you, you recycler. auditioned people? That's how you guys met? Well, I just put my, I put my name, I, I advertised myself and I made flyers. I've posted some of the first flyers on Instagram and stuff, but I, I made a flyer and I took it to the Whiskey A Go-Go and I like left it in the ladies room of the bathroom and they, I kept going in into my, to my horror. Someone had thrown all of them into the trash. I had to stick my hand in and take them out. But I also, le- I also left the flyers around all the local record stores. And the one person who called my, 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 uh, my number that I put on the flyer was Maria McKee, if you can believe it. She's because got such I, an amazing voice. I, I know. Lone Justice. Yes. I know. And she was only 16 at the time because oh. I had listed the band Love, Arthur Lee and Love, yeah. her brother Brian McLean was in that band. So that's how, yeah, that's how she, she picked up my flyer and called me and I, and I went over to, she was living with her mom. I, I, before I met the bangles, she had answered. She was the one human in all of LA who called my, based on my flyer that I left at a record store. But her mom. Where was is like, she? What happened to her? I God, don't know. Did you guys sing? Was, what happened? We didn't. You, we didn't sing. Well, we met, and her mom was there because she was still a kid living at home. And right. my, her mom said, um, are, "Are you? What do you play?" And I said, "Well, I sing and I play guitar." And she's like, "Oh, well, Maria sings." We didn't end up. It didn't end up working out. And then I met the Bangles. A long story, but a little bit circuitous. But I called an ad in the Recycler, and Vicky answered. And it wasn't Vicky's ad. It was just she happened to be the roommate of someone who had placed an ad. But we connected on the phone, and that led to the first meeting of the Bengals in my garage in L.A. where I was living. And the night Vicky and Debbie came over and, and jammed with me in the garage, um, we, we, we became a band that night. So, I mean, we just decided. It, there was no, like, go home and think about it. It was like, okay, I guess we're, we're a band. How that long night, did it take you to, from the garage to getting your first record deal? Uh, it took from that. I talked to Vicky on the phone in December 1980, and we the, we either played at the end of December, or beginning of January, and we got signed in '83. It seemed like it took forever, and I always uh-huh. tell people it only really takes one. Now it doesn't take. You don't even need a record company, I don't think. But back then you no. did. It's pre-internet, pre-streaming, pre. All the things we're so accustomed to now, but it really ultimately only only took one in our case because the only label that was interested in us was Columbia. But I mean, Columbia it was the label of Dylan and Simon and Garfunkel. I mean, you know, and and weirdly, it was I I we did a show at Magic Mountain in '83, and Peter mm-hmm. Philbin, who was Bruce, worked with Bruce Springsteen and was yep. an A&R person, brought Bruce Springsteen to Magic Mountain to see this whole band. Yeah. And all I know is that we got signed after that. So I always thank Bruce Springsteen for schlepping to Magic Mountain to see this all-girl club band, you know, local band, 
I mean, we had toured. We'd toured. We'd opened for the English Beat. So we, we'd oh, done some touring. Right. That was our first. Who was your manager? Trip. Like, how did you get a manager? How did he Miles from... Copeland, oh, that, who came so... to see us. Yeah, at so a club. He was also the police's manager. Yes. Yeah. And did I had... you open for the police? We did one show opening for the police at the racetrack, at the racetrack in L.A. I forget what you call that racetrack. Um, Hollywood Park, it's out there. Um, I guess I that bet was Sting it. loved you. Well, I don't know about that, but I remember that Miles came to see us at like the Cafe de Grand or one of these like very punk kind of clubs, you know, um, and and someone said, ooh, Miles Copeland is over there. And I was like, oh, OK. Well, I don't know who he is. I had no idea because I even though the police were a huge band, I was paying no attention to the bands of the 80s. I, I, I guess I paid attention to Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe, no. but right. I didn't know the police. I was, right. I was immersed in the 1960s and 70s. I couldn't Did get... you like the Pretenders? Did you like Oh, Christina? yes, I did love the Pretenders. They, but they were like an exception mostly. I mean, I love the jam. I love the mm-hmm. Talking Heads. I saw the Talking Heads' first L.A. show at the Whiskey. Mm. But I loved, I loved like um, Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers. I, I was obsessed with Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers. I was obsessed with uh, Blondie. I was obsessed with the Talking Heads. But I didn't really know the police. You know, I, there was this, I was obsessed with this sort of, I mean, again, I went to see Patti Smith at yeah. Winterland Ballroom. For me, again, I was like this art student. For me, it was this sort of tectonic shift from like rock gods, you know, stadium rock, Zeppelin. I love Zeppelin. The Who, I love them. The Stones, I love them. But it was like suddenly you could go see a band and it was like an art project. It was 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 poet, poet, priestess, you know, priestess. It was theater. It was art. It was all together. It was like, look what they're wearing. Look what they're saying. Look what they sound like. Um, look at the album cover. Like it was a full art explosion. You know, it was like, it it was like born from the concept of like street artists or I don't know. It just was so remarkable to me and so inspirational to me. So the bands that I was seeing in the seventies and early eighties were mostly those bands. I went to see the jam, mm-hmm. um, at like the Starwood, I think. And, Starwood. and I remember that's the Starwood. When, that was a yes. club in LA. That was so great. Yeah. And then I and saw that, John Mayall in the Starwood. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's Starwood. amazing. Oh yeah. A long time ago. And, um, but you know, I might, anyway, that we could go in so many directions here, but I remember that we, so the Bengals made a little single it, it cost. It was a ten dollar an hour studio called Radio Tokyo in Venice on Abbott Kinney, and um, you know. So the record, the recording cost thirty dollars. We we booked three hours, and we made a little. David Roback actually took pictures of us, and we made a little cover, like literally folded a piece of paper and stuffed it in a little little sleeve. And I and I uh, on my own sought out Rodney Bingenheimer's phone number. And Rodney said, oh, come, out, come down to the Starwood on a Monday night and bring me your record. So I went down there and I gave it to him. And he didn't play it the first week on K-Rock. So I like, was very tenacious and called him and was like the annoying little kid 
calling him and saying, well, I actually said, why didn't you play the record? And he goes, oh, no, I really liked it. It reminded me, you guys sound like the mamas and the mamas, because it was all these three-part harmonies So the, the mamas and the papas, the mamas yeah, and the mamas. Yeah, the okay. mamas and the mamas. So then I sat by the radio for three hours listening to his show the next weekend, and sure enough, he played it, and he played that single every Sunday for a year, and that was the beginning. And that so, built your audience, people. Yeah, like, who are these amazing? On the radio, and it was Rodney Bingenheimer, you know, who's such an amazing tastemaker. He really was. Yeah. So I know. And was, so tell me. So then, what was the big? Oh, so you know, you worked with Prince. Yeah. And I want to hear about your relationship with Prince. I know he absolutely loved you. Um, and well, your voice. The the. the yeah, I mean, it was so amazing because the week that I found out about Prince, and I was very late to the party in a way. I, for some reason, I had been so immersed in whatever musical influences, which were primarily 60s and 70s stuff, um, and just studying you know, Beatles records and Birds records and getting 12-string guitars and trying to figure out how to make that sound, that I kind of missed out on a lot of the stuff that was actually happening at the time. But I remember the week that I that when Doves Cry started to get massive airplay in LA on the radio, I heard that song and within a day or two somebody said, um, Prince has seen the Bangles um Hero Takes a Fall video and he really likes the band. And then he started to just show up like at at our shows. Um and he would just traips out onto the stage this incredible audio of him playing a solo on Hero Takes a Fall at the Palace, I think, a venue in Hollywood across this it used to be across the street. I don't know if it's still there, I think so, from Capitol Records. And approximately right on right around there. And um that it was palace. just like, Yeah, the palace. Yeah, yeah. yeah Probably shows yeah. there. And uh, I think the name has been changed, but it was kind of like being in the presence of this supernatural experience unfolding in front of your eyes. Like I literally never, never witnessed a, a human being playing guitar like that. It was like his guitar was just a part of his body. Right. And he was channeling something, honestly, supernatural, in my opinion. I, I just was floored by it. And he, he showed up a couple of times like that and then, you know, sort of cut to um, us making the next record. And I just, we were working with David Leonard, his wife, Peggy Leonard, his wife at the time, Peggy Leonard, had been longtime engineers for Prince in, in Minneapolis. And we were working at Sunset Sound Factory and Peggy with David Leonard. And Peggy Leonard was recording Prince at Sunset Sound on Sunset Boulevard, and I was told to drive over and get a, a cassette. Prince had a song for us. So I went over there driving across town in my beat-up car and so excited and nervous and thinking that, like, I would, you know, talk to Prince and we'd hang out and he'd give me the song. But he was recording at the moment I got there, and so the song, the cassette, and I still have the actual cassette, was left for me, and I got in my car, drove back across town to Sunset Sound Factory, and we all hovered around a cassette player, and it was Manic Monday. <sighs> and um, it was so beautiful. And he kind of assumed we might want to use 
you know, he had built traps for it and put down a vocal. But when it came time to record it, you know, it was just sort of the bangle way to bangle-fy it and kind of, you know, put Debbie on drums and Michael Was he on. okay with it? Yeah, he was. And we, I was a little afraid that he might, you know... Be insulted? Or, or just... I wanted him to love it. You know, I wanted yeah. him to be pleased. Here yeah. he'd given us this song, and I wanted him to be pleased with how it came out. And I hadn't really... It wasn't until he just... Again, he would just always sort of materialize... Like you would never know, he materialize at a venue with his guitar and just traipse out onto the stage and start making magic in front of everybody. But it was the same with rehearsal. We were rehearsing um, after we'd recorded the song and we hadn't heard anything and he just sort of walked into the rehearsal room. And we were like scared because we we, there wasn't a keyboard player in the bangles. So the, the, the like iconic Baroque little melody line that you hear at the opening of the song is really a keyboard part. So we weren't playing it, but you know, and then he would jump on stage and sing it with us. And, but he was very happy. With Do you it. have footage of that? Um, and yeah, Do you have footage of it. Does any in the archives? Do you think there's some bad, you not well, you know, not pretty grainy footage. But on it's the, still worth YouTube it. I, I want to find it. that. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a good, there's a good manic Monday where, He's sort of fighting to be able to use Vicky's microphone to be able to sing with me, but she was sort of on auto autopilot. She didn't like. She didn't want to st- stand aside and let him. Rip. Well, she. Well, he wanted. He wanted the mic. He wanted yeah. the mic, and um, he does a really funny thing where he's just very cheeky with her and kind of has a tambourine and puts it in front of his face, and and then finally she's sort of like, oh, he wants to. Do, he wants you know the mic so he can sing. And then yeah. finally, he and I, Prince and I are looking at each other from across the stage. And Wendy's in the background. She she came on stage and played too. So is it? It's a cute clip, actually. He's being really funny, and and a little cheeky, trying to get get use of the microphone that was uh, you know she typically was singing her part on. But um, it's pretty funny. But yeah, I have no, a we, I have a Prince story that he wanted me to do. He really wanted me to do "Under the Cherry Moon" with him, oh, and wow. and I and um, Kristen Scott Thomas ended, ended up doing it. But like he kind of was pissed off that I didn't do it. He was a little insulted. So there was a MTV um, if you MTV uh, it, whoever won this this uh, they would have a premiere of "Under the Cherry Moon" in their town, and um, oh, wow. and and it was in I think it was in um, Wyoming. In Jackson wow. Hole, Wyoming, and Whoa. somebody, you know, went it, and he flew Joni Mitchell and I on a what? private jet, yes, to to uh, Jackson Hole for the premiere of Under the Cherry Moon. But wait, you got to go to the premiere with Joni, though. On a, on a, on a, we we flew together with it was her and um, I brought my a girlfriend of mine that was a friend. Was Prince at was Prince at the, yeah um, yes I mean it was a huge it was like a huge premiere yeah. And for did that you guys, movie. but did you get to talk or anything? Yeah, so like, so, and then through the years, you know, I saw him like, because I used to, you remember, she did all the backstage interviews for Coachella, and he played Coachella, yes. and I, and I went to the soundtrack, and how I always got my guests was I just would go myself, like, hi, it's Rosanna, like, I'm shooting the backstage, and usually no one would say no, and he said yes to me, but then his handler, oh. so fucked. His handler was really mean and wouldn't let me. He was so mad that I got to him and he said, I'm so, and he just killed it. And it was so depressing. But that was a great show. 
Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I there was a night um, where we he invited the Bengals to um, just come jam with him mm-hmm. at Sunset Sound. He he kind of would take over a studio there, one of the really wonderful studios there, and just you know hunker down and have all his gear around and you know get. That's where like, that's where everybody like that was yeah. where um that was where Led Zeppelin made Loads a record. Of people, yeah. I mean, the Stones yeah. were there. Like we, we made a whole record there too, um, and I worked there on some solo stuff as well. But yeah, so he he had a room. He was he was in the thick of recording, and he just one night you know said you know let's jam. So we all went over there late. <sighs> I mean, I think <laughs> it was like eleven at night. Right. To start with, and what was so mind-blowing was he just wanted to play Bengals songs, which, I mean, we were sort of like, oh, we didn't know what to expect. What are we going to jam on, you know? Where are those recordings? I know. (laughs) You know, I don't know. He could have been recording them, but it's, I've never. I'm sure he did. uh, Possibly. But, But I think it was. I All these things were like, almost like fairy tales, like, you know. Manic Monday being given that song, you know, the the minute I sang it for the first time in a in a darkened room with that red light in record, I could see through the glass wall, you know, and I and I just tried it on for size and it was like literally putting my foot in in the slipper and it is fit and I was like, yes. Because you don't know when someone gives you a song if it's if right. it's gonna feel like it's like when you put on an article of clothing or slip your foot into a shoe and you're just like, oh, this feels so good. Yes. Like, I know this is going to work. I want it to, but I don't, you don't know until you try it on. And, like, that's kind of how singing a song is sometimes. Like, mm. there's been songs that I revere and I want to sing them so bad, but when I try, it's like, ooh, this is difficult. I don't know if I can do it. Hmm. But with Manic Monday, it just felt so good. Is, is, was that your biggest hit with you think uh, w- well I think Eternal Flame actually Eternal Flame because was that because the movie it was in a it was in a uh, movie I don't know was it was it wasn't that I don't in a even movie? know if it was I think Eternal Flame was just one of those songs that's a whole nother story um, about a song that wasn't even you know picked for the album that ended up ending up on the album it's a it's a whole another podcast <laughs> where we could talk about it. Like Alfie. I love your version of Alfie. Oh, gosh, I know. And I've been fighting so hard to get the music um, of all the Austin Powers music. That's funny. Right before I got on the phone with you or on the Zoom with you, I wrote again to my friend who was the brilliant music supervisor, John Houlihan, for the Austin Powers films because a whole new generation of people are discovering Austin Powers now. Um, <sighs> All my friends' kids are discovering it, and Jay did those movies. It was an incredible collaboration with the team and with Mike, who created the character. And I was always, um, I'm really proud of, you know, having been involved with the music, both with writing music with Mike Myers and the members of Ming-T, which was Austin Powers' band, but also (laughs) my, you know, growing up, again, back to idols and how, how I taught myself to sing by singing along with records, it was Burt Backrack's and Hal David songs via exactly. my mom's Dionne Warwick records. So I just would sing over and over again those songs. What the world needs now. Yeah, and so, exactly. And, this um, love, sweet love. 
Um, so I got to sing The Look of Love for the first Austin Powers movie, International Man of Mystery. And for Gold <sighs> Member, I got to sing with, again, with Bert and uh, Hal's permission to change the lyric to What's It All About Austin. Um, and that, just to get there, just that they gave me the stamp of approval, but also to be able to sing What's It All About Austin to the melody of What's It All About Alfie and those lyrics and with an orchestra and you can't get it on streaming. So it's been, you know, like this little bit of a thing to try to see if that stuff can be made available. But also the stuff that I did with Mike Myers in the band Ming-T, which was the so Austin, great. Austin Powers band. So, yeah, that was really... And remember, um, well, I directed this documentary, um, oh, all yeah. we are saying, The Musicians. What, with Searching for De- Deborah? No, there was Winger? Searching for Deborah Winger, then I did one on, on musicians, and I don't know why you're not in there, but I think we weren't. Oh. We didn't, it was called, it's called All We Are Saying, is everybody from Patti Smith, Tom Petty, to like, you know, uh, Tom York, like it's a, it's a, it's a, I want, have you never seen that? No, but I'm just remembering our fun night with Tom York. Yeah. Oh yes, at the Buckinghams. <laughs> that was that was Lindsay Buckingham's 60th birthday. Yeah, and, and I, I performed am, at it, and I got performed. to be in the photo booth, and I sat on Tom's lap. <laughs> yeah, we and the pictures of us in that photo booth are hilarious. I know. Like, of just like and we're just like I, you know like fangirling on our, on on Tom, and he he's just like oh my god, he 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 was like loving it. I <laughs> said, I also have had the pr- the pleasure and privilege of sitting in Simon LeBond's lap. Um, so, but the two rock, rock star laps that I've, I've had the privilege of sitting in were so Tom York and Simon LeBond. That's perfect. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that I, was a I, really I, great night, wasn't it, Ro? It was a great night. And I, I, we, I love to, con- we, we had our like girl time with, uh, Lindsay's Kristen Buckingham, um, his oh, wife. And the, so great. Ah. We've and, had some um, good times. Yeah. With us, continue to please have some good times in this, in, um, because now we just want to uh, be free, all of us, and create create more love. Yeah. That's what we need to do now. That's where we have yes. the energy well, we all have to be in for, for our children. And I love you. So I love you, and this podcast is so great, and um, it's so such a pleasure to be able to talk about things that matter to us. And um, things that we talk about when we're not on a podcast, just you and me all the time. I know. So it's so nice to share it, share some of the ideas. Um, okay, we're going we're gonna to say goodbye, but I want to... What, what, what are you hoping right now, going forward from here on? Well, I'm just hoping to be able to continue to make stuff that is a message of love, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be used Chrissy's, uh, your friend Chrissy's song, Message of Love. Isn't that I love that song so much. Yeah. That's actually it, one of my favorite songs of hers. It's so great. All We Need Is Love. Yes. There you go. All You Need Is Love. We just covered that theme song yes. from the Beatles forever. I love you, hon. And I'll talk you to you so soon, much, okay? Ro, so love much. you too. Please give Thanks. my love. Give my love to Jay and, and the boys. I will. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review Radical Musings to help other listeners find the show. And subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast to be alerted every time we post a new episode. Radical Musings is brought to you by Audio Up, produced by Krista Liney and Carla Braun. 
edited by Jeremiah Zimmerman, production support provided by Ashley Ardent, Sam Winter, Tyler Dorson, Emma Rappold, and Richard Regal. Thank you all so much. 